What's going on guys? It's your boy Scrub here back again with another video. Hope you guys are having a great day. I know I am and we're back with another episode of Ryan's Rants, the podcast that when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That was very consistent, okay? And then I, I had to do some reorganizing around my office and whatnot. And it was like just just the thing that made the most sense to do less because I had to do other things more. But it's back now. And hopefully I don't get busy again for a while. So Ryan Rance is back on the menu. I've got some great stories for everyone today. But before we get into it, be sure to press the like button if you're hyped that it's back and comment down below. Otherwise, no joke, no scam. I will just fight you and let's go. Alright, so growing up, I was a pretty big Pokemon fan, you know, more of like the video games and the cards than the show itself. I'm not saying the show is bad, I just wasn't like crazy into it. I did watch it, but it's not like I was some diehard. And one thing that always really bugged me is how every season Ash would lose. Like, it started to piss me off. It's like, dude, you've been a Pokemon trainer for 20 years and you can't win anything. You've made friends with like every legendary Pokemon and you still can't win. And honestly, approaching like 30 years now, I just thought the guy was never going to be a winner, but it looks like the writers over at the television department decided to toss him a bone and make him a, a champion. Pokemon's Ash Ketchum becomes world's top trainer after 25 years. Yeah, he's been at it for a little bit, you know, it just goes to show you that if you stay persistent, you too can wander the world living out of your backpack for 25 years to finally win a championship. Hey, a championship's a championship, you know? I'm just saying, 25 years, bro. The, the stacked lineups that Ash has had as Pokemon before. Think about if he would have just, like, kept one unit of six Pokemon for 25 years. Those Pokemon would be so unbelievably cracked. They would be unbeatable. But no, homie really likes to just switch it up and start over every six months. Maybe that's why you haven't won a championship, bro. You're always working with a new team. I'm not trying to be a hater. I just think it's so funny, dude, that it took him 25 years, all right? And I, I get it. The TV show is not going to try to end itself. They're like, look, we've got something that's kind of printing money here. If we just keep making episodes, we'll keep making money. Pokemon, I think, is literally the most profitable franchise in the world, like, on a yearly basis. Something like that. I, don't quote me on that. I'm an idiot. But you get what I'm saying. They're a stupid, profitable franchise, so why not? Just keeping making television, milling television. I don't know what I was trying to say. And on top of it, even if Ash is a champion now, like, people are still gonna watch the show. I just feel like I don't watch it anymore, you know? But I feel like at this point, Pokemon is just something that people know about and, like, people just all are aware of. So I don't think finding an audience for this show is going to be an issue. I, I don't really watch it anymore, you know? I don't really watch a whole lot of TV anymore. I haven't watched it since I was probably, like, uh, 12, if not younger. Probably younger. No offense, it's just not my ginormous cup of tea, especially because Ash was such a pathetic loser. For decades, we've watched the eternal 10-year-old Pokemon trainer traveling far and wide in a bid to win as many championships as he can, and of course, trying to catch them all. In 2019, we saw him win the Alola region Pokemon League in the sixth season of Pokemon Sun and Moon. 
allowing him to ascend to the rank of Pokemon Master. Now, he's achieved the ultimate goal. Alongside Pikachu, he's won the Masters 8 Tournament of the Pokemon World Coronation Series, making him the top trainer for the first time. Alright, I know we were just making fun of him for being a loser for 25 years, but like, can we talk about how crappy Ash's parents are real quick? He's 10, they just let their 10-year-old walk around wandering the world by himself because he has an electric rat. I love Pikachu. That's literally, he's a mouse Pokemon. He's, he's a rat. They are letting their 10-year-old wander the world unsupervised with a rat. No wonder it took him 25 years to figure stuff out, bro. Imagine being 10, just dropped off in the wilderness. Good luck, honey. Become a Pokemon master or don't come home. I know it's like not really like that in the show, but really think about that. He was 10 and his mom was just like, all right, go do Pokemon stuff. Just get out of here. He deserves the championship for going through that alone, you know? He's like, I've literally spent my entire life about this. I dropped out of school when I was 10 to become a Pokemon master. It's no wonder Ash is still having problems understanding simple concepts. He dropped out of school in like the third grade, dude, to go chase Pokemon. Who, who signed off on this? Who was like, yeah, no, just let him go wander the woods by himself. Who needs school? Who needs to know math if you're just like a really cool Pokemon trainer guy? It's not like you need to know how to invest all those earnings you're going to make off being Pokemon Master. Blow it all on Pokeballs. There's no such thing as investments. All right, that's, that's enough hating on Ash Ketchum. All right, so this might be one of my corniest opinions, but I feel like family is pretty important. I'm not saying you have to like all your family members, all right? There's a few of my family members that are absolutely bonkers that I want nothing to do with. But overall, like, I don't know, especially the direct people that you live with, it's probably important to make sure those relationships are, like, somewhat functional, you know? Especially if you're talking about your kids, your wife. I don't have either of those, but, like, yeah, you should probably be on good terms with your wife and kids. Otherwise, life's probably not going the way it's supposed to. I'm not speaking from, like, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I'm just assuming, all right? Some angry, like, single man in the comments right now is just like, you idiot, you don't understand. My wife ruined it. Like, it's just freaking out. I'm sorry, bro. I, I don't know. I'm just saying. This story's weird. Lottery winner dons mascot costume to hide jackpot from family. Man, he really said, okay, I just won the lottery. I'm about $40 million richer. The last thing I would want is for my uh, kids, my wife, my mom, my dad to know that I've won any money because then they would expect some of it. So uh, I'm just going to borrow the mascot costume from the local basketball team and head on over to the lottery office and we're good to go. I would love to know where he found a mascot costume on such short notice. Maybe he had one custom made. He's like, whatever, I won $40 million. What's a, a custom mascot costume? Or did he just go to, like, a local sports team and ask to borrow it? That would just be so funny. He just walks into the office. They're like, can I help you, sir? Yeah, I uh, need to borrow your mascot costume. I just won $40 million. Really not trying to have anyone, especially my family, see me. It's understandable to not want people to know you won the lottery. Like, I think hiding your identity if you won $50 million makes sense. It's just very funny that he went out of his way to say it's from his family. Like, you would think it would be more like, I don't want every person who lives in this town to know that I just won a crap ton of money. Who wants every person they interact with to, like, just know that you won $40 million? Probably not a lot of people. So it makes sense that you would want to hide from that. But he really went out of his way to tell this news company, like, nah, my family doesn't need to know. A lottery winner in China donned a mascot costume to claim his $30 million lottery prize in order to keep his wife and children from finding out. The welfare lottery said the man, identified only by the pseudonym Lee, 
said he'd been playing the lottery for about 10 years and normally uses the numbers 2, 15, 19, 26, 27, 29, 02. I just felt like the opening menu from Black Ops. So uh, the numbers, Mason, what do they mean? <laughs> if you use these, you'll win 30 million at some point, pal. Remember those numbers. I love that he's been playing it for 10 years and he's still deciding to hide it from his family. Which means, like, his family knows that he plays the lottery, I'm guessing, if he's been doing it for 10 years. And I'm sure they've talked about what they would do with the winnings and whatnot, and maybe that's why he's like, yeah, I'm not gonna tell them. He's over here, like, I'm gonna invest it all, and his kid's like, I'm gonna buy 50 gaming computers to play 50 games of Fortnite at one time. I feel like keeping that a secret from your wife is like, I, I don't know, man. I feel like that's going to be a bad idea, and it is a bad idea. Because, like, that that's your partner, you know? You guys are kind of committed till death do you part type of situation. What's mine is ours. So I don't know how she'll take the fact that you were hiding a $30 million jackpot. But I can understand why you don't want your kids, especially if they're, like, a teenagers, to know that you have all this money because you don't want them to become entitled. But it also is funny that he's been playing for 10 years, so he's thought about this a lot. So, like, he's thought this through many times, and in every time he's thought through this scenario, he's like, I can't tell my family because they're going to find a way to blow this. Lee showed up to collect his prize wearing a bright yellow cartoon mascot costume. He said he wanted to keep his jackpot a secret from his family. I have not told my wife or children. I'm concerned they might feel superior to other people and will not work or study hard in the future. He donated some of his winnings to a lottery fund that supports vulnerable communities in China. He said he does not yet have plans for the rest of the money. Like I said, I, I get not telling the kids, but I promise you that not telling your wife about this is going to backfire. Because she's going to find out. Like, there's no way she's not going to check the bank account one day and notice $30 million. And then it's a whole, why did you keep this from me in the first place thing? I, I don't know. I get the kids, though. Like, if you told, like, a 12-year-old that he had $30 million, he'd probably start acting like the most Minecraft Fortnite kid imaginable. I've never been in that situation, so I'm not sure, but I just feel like if you told someone that they had unlimited money and didn't have to work hard at a young age, they probably would not do it. That seems like pretty common sense. It's just so funny that he got a mascot costume. Like, I just feel like that's such a weird thing to go out of your way to get to disguise yourself. It's not like a ski mask or, I, I don't know, a Halloween mask or, like, a, just a, a horror movie mask. Like, I feel like a mascot costume seems like it would be so much harder to get than other things that can cover your face. Heck, man, just get some, like, camouflage face paint, do a really nice blend you can hunt deer right after or whatever you want to do. I love that he doesn't really know what to do with it, but he's going to donate some of it. It means at least he's going to, like, put some of it to a good cause. And I'm sure you don't want to get too invested if you're playing the lottery. I don't play the lottery, but it's not like you want to start spending the $30 million before you have it and get insanely depressed every time you don't win. Either way, I just thought it was funny that he's, like, trying to hide this lottery winning from his family. Alright, so next up, I wanted to talk about the crypto world a little bit. For those of you that, like, aren't aware of how trading crypto works, which is buying and selling it, it's how you tend to make money, you have to do it on something called an exchange because there has to be a person to, like, buy what you're selling and vice versa. If you want to buy something, there has to be someone selling to you. And so all these exchanges popped up during this, like, huge crypto boom. And a lot of people were just keeping their cryptocurrency on those exchanges because it, like, wasn't worth it to pull it off and on if they were trading every day. And I don't think that's the smartest idea. That just is what a lot of people were doing. 
And a lot of these cryptocurrency exchanges have been like going bankrupt, having huge issues, not allowing people to withdraw all their funds. It's been a crap show. And one of the biggest ones was FTX, which like up until about a week ago was known as one of the better exchanges, one of the best actually. Yeah, now they're going bankrupt and they're starting to like place holds on all these withdrawals and, and it looks like they're about $8 billion shorts on their books. It's not a very good situation. But it got even worse, because not only did they declare Chapter 11 bankruptcy earlier this week, but last night they got hacked, and like half a billion dollars got stolen, on top of them already declaring bankruptcy and being short $8 billion. FTX says it's removing trading and withdrawals and moving digital assets to a cold wallet after a $477 million suspected hack. So not only was there like already a bunch of issues, but if you still had crypto or money on there for some reason, this absolutely sucks because it seems like you're probably just locked out now until they figure out what's going on. I don't know how these crypto exchanges like don't manage to have some of the best security in the world. From what I understand from some videos I've watched, I'm not an expert, FTX was making like not in profit, but in terms of revenue, over $10 million a day in revenue. If you have that much business going through your business every single day, it's probably worth it to invest very heftily in security. Because it's nuts that one person can hack into these companies and walk away with half a billion dollars. Like, is there really no failsafe if someone, there's not like a two-factor code or something that can't be spoofed? It's not like a nuclear launch button where two people have to stick the keys in and turn them at the same time to withdraw anything over $100 million. I just feel like it's nuts that there's not a lot of safeguards. And I'm sure there are safeguards. I'm not saying the hacker's not talented. Clearly, he hacked into a multi-billion dollar company. He's way smarter than I would ever be at it. But it's nuts that a company this size can't prevent that. That's what's absolutely bonkers to me. You know people are going to try. If you're a crypto exchange, people are going to try to hack you. It happens to all of them. So I just don't understand why that's not like priority number one for every single crypto exchange. Because it seems like more often than not when we're talking about these stories and they start to go insolvent, someone somewhere takes a bunch of money and like fakes their death or whatever. John Ray, FTX's new CEO and chief restructuring officer, said the bankrupt crypto exchange is in the process of removing trading and withdrawal functionality and it's moving as many digital assets as can be identified to a new cold wallet custodian. And that's according to a statement tweeted by the company's general counsel, Ryan Miller. The announcement comes as the failed exchange investigates what it's calling unauthorized transactions that began within hours of FTX filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection in the United States. It's crazy how fast all of this went down. Basically, it all started when like FTX was starting to run into some trouble troubles, excuse me, sorry, with liquidity which is just the ability for people to like take out their money and provide the the uh, current amount of currency, not current amount of currency, like the amount of currency needed to facilitate those transactions. And there were some rumors that they were starting to have issues, which raised some alarm bells. And so a lot of the more like savvy investors that were aware of all these bankruptcies that were going down went in and withdrew their money. Well, that doesn't necessarily help liquidity. And so the rumors started to spiral more, and then they admitted that they were having problems. And one of the other biggest crypto exchanges, Binance, was like, hey, maybe we'll be able to work something out and buy you out. They announced that that was going to be the plan. 
a few days after that, or maybe not even a few days, maybe like a day after that, they come out and they're like, yeah, after investigating what's going on, we're not going to be able to do anything about this because it's just out of control. And after that, it's been a downward spiral and they ended up declaring bankruptcy. And up to like two weeks ago, before all this went down, the founder of this company was going around being like, I'm the world's most charitable billionaire. Which, listen, I'm not saying that like every single billionaire is a Batman evil villain, but... I'm just going to throw it out there that the more somebody has to go around and be like, look at how awesome and good I am. There's usually something that like they don't really necessarily want people to know about and be looking into. And it might be the fact that your giant crypto exchange doesn't have liquidity and is running into a bunch of monetary problems. But as long as you're known as the charitable billionaire guy, it's like, well, you know, these things happen. Come on. He's so nice. And I'm not going to accuse him of doing that because I'm an idiot talking over Bloons Tower defense gameplay and you should take none of this seriously. None of this is like a serious accusation. I'm just talking out of my butt. But it is interesting how like he tried to come out on YouTube and be like, I'm just the nicest billionaire that's ever existed. And then uh, all of a sudden his company's bankrupt and it's looking like there's going to be a lot of people that just can't take their money out, especially after this hack, if they're going to lock withdrawals. And I don't know if all of this was just like a house of cards that happened to fall apart. Nobody knows yet. There's so much up in the air. I think anyone that claims to know the entire story at this point is lying. I'm just keeping you guys up to date on what I've tried to understand so far. I'm not like an expert. I just think this is very interesting. The new FTX chief said the exchange is coordinating with law enforcement and relevant regulators about the breach and it's making every effort to secure all assets globally. Miller, FTX's general counsel, said the decision to push digital assets into cold storage was meant to mitigate damage upon observing unauthorized transactions. People who choose to hold their own cryptocurrency can stole it, store it, sorry, stole it, haha, get it because it got hacked, hot or cold or a combination of the two. A hot wallet is connected to the internet and allows owners relatively easy access to their coins so they can access and spend their crypto, whereas cold storage generally refers to crypto stored in wallets whose private keys are not connected to the internet. The trade-off for convenience with hot storage is potential exposure to bad actors. I'm not a crypto guru, like I'm not a stock guru either, I just, that's what I pay more attention to. But I can say even I have realized at this point that if you're going to have crypto, cold storage is really the only way to go. Because it seems like every other week there's an exchange somewhere that gets hacked for like $30 million. And because crypto isn't insanely regulated yet, there's not a whole lot of like regulations on what happens in that scenario. Sometimes the exchanges are like, yeah, we'll cover it. Sometimes they steal too much and they can't. A bank, most banks, a credible bank, has like an FDIC insurance on it, which basically means that if that bank goes out of business, the federal government will give you up to $250,000 from like what you have in that bank. So if a bank's being dumb and over leverages and goes bankrupt, like the government will come in and give you what you have in the bank. So unless you have a ton of money there, you'll get your money back. These crypto exchanges are not regulated at all, and most investment products don't have FDIC FDIC insurance, sorry. Like, I, I don't think most brokerage accounts do, but still, if you're going to be holding your crypto in a savings account on one of these exchanges, the idea is it should be in a place where, like, it's not easily accessible. People can't take it. And apparently, once again, I'm not an expert. This is just from other people that are smarter than me I've heard explaining this. 
what a lot of these exchanges have started to do is take that like capital that's supposed to be sitting in those savings account and start trying to leverage it so they can make more money. In order to do that, the wallet has to be easily accessible. So all of these like funds that people are thinking are safely stored somewhere are really in a hot wallet. So if someone gets in and hacks you, they can just drain you. And I'm, I'm not a crypto expert. That's just what I've understood from listening to smarter people explain it. It's nuts that all of this is going down back to back to back, though. It's like this company could not get any more Wombo comboed by A, having the liquidity crisis, having someone say they're going to step in and then have to back away because it's so screwed up that there's no way they're going to be able to fix it. And the company that stepped in is kind of known for like being the guy who comes in and saves the day whenever things go sideways like this. So if even they were backing away, you know it has to be bad. And I don't know, it's just a crapshoot. And it's also coming over to like the financial side of YouTube because a ton of the biggest financial YouTubers were sponsored by this company. And there's a huge question of like, you told your audience to put your money there. So are you even capable of calling yourself a financial expert? I don't have a horse in that race. I'm too dumb. You know, I have my opinions, but my opinions on it are not as smart as other people. So I'm gonna keep them to myself on that front. The only thing I'll say about it Anyone that's making money to give you financial advice, you should probably think a little bit more about whether that advice is being given because it's good advice or because there's a potential for them to make money. Business is business, you know? People aren't going to, like, do a bunch of stuff for free. So you always have to question, like, what is the the profit motive for somebody? And some of these YouTubers don't care about whether or not you lose money as long as they get the bag. That sucks, but you just got to be aware of it and just think twice before you invest in anything. All right, so I don't know if I've talked about this on the channel before, but if you're an internet person, you've probably heard of it. There's this Twitter account that like tracks private jets of celebrities and super rich people because they're like planes are registered and you can track where they're going. And they really do not like it. Believe it or not, billionaires don't like people knowing where they're going, especially when it's, you know, Russian oligarchs getting out of Russia or people taking six-minute flights that are, like, ridiculous uses of a jet. I mean, yes, it's their jet. They can do what they want. But if you can drive there in under 30 minutes, if you can drive there in under an hour, let's be honest, you probably should not fly there. There's no way it's that worthwhile. I can understand maybe you got a meeting, bro, but like even then, just leave earlier. You don't need to fly your jet to go get groceries. Anyways, a lot of them are trying to figure out ways around this, and I guess the world's second richest man actually ended up selling the private jet that he had because he hated the fact that it was tracked. World's second richest man sells private jet after Twitter activists track every flight. I love how honest this guy was about it, though. Like, even in this article, they're kind of like, well, what ended up happening? And he's like, yeah, I didn't like people on Twitter talking about where I was going and what I was doing, so uh, I just sold my jet. Just billionaire problems, you know, when you have, like, a multi-eight-figure asset that you just have to sell because people are being annoying and want to know where you are all the time. And what's hilarious is, like, I don't know, this article's not trying to spin it as a win, but if you think this guy's not just gonna get another jet and keep it secret, or, like, buy an LLC in someone else's name and then buy a jet, like, he's worth $100 billion. I'm sure there's ways when you have that much money 
to hide where your jet is. I'm not saying it should be that way. Oh, you think it's fair? I'm not saying it's fair. I'm just saying you're delusional if you think $140 billion isn't enough money to buy a plane that's not registered back to him and impossible to track. The billionaire's company has sold its private jet after a social media account started tracing his flights and tallying his carbon emissions. Indeed, with all these stories, the group had a plane and we sold it. Arnault told France Radio's Classique. I don't speak French, so I probably said that wrong. He's honest. Y- you gotta give him that. Even if you're gonna give him nothing else, he's just on the radio like, yeah, dude, these people were so annoying on Twitter, so... uh. Toss that plane in the cell bin. No thank you, okay? I'm not trying to be told on Twitter where I'm supposed to fly. I'm gonna do what I want. Seriously, I feel like, I don't know if it's better or worse when billionaires, like, pretend that they're super nice guys or when they're just mask off about, like, I'm just gonna do what I want. I don't care. Which one is better? Is it better to have a guy that's like, yeah, I'm gonna fly my private jet. I don't care how much emissions it has, because at least then you know the re- you know the situation. You can't say that he's like trying to pull one over on you, versus someone that's like, no, I'm such a nice guy. I love the polar bears. Meanwhile, his company is like uh, using penguins to like test medical equipment or whatever. I don't know. I just feel like it really goes one of two ways for some reason. There's very few billionaires that I could think of that don't go one way or the other. And I'm not saying this guy is as evil of a company like using penguins for medical equipment. Obviously, I'm just being dramatic. The result now is no one can see where I go because I rent planes when I use private planes. And unfortunately, these rented, polluting charter jets will guzzle fossil fuels. Okay, all right. I'm not saying that it's funny that he's going to keep flying these private jets everywhere, all right? But it is kind of funny that they're like, yeah, we're going to show him who's boss. We're going to track everything on Twitter. He's like, all right, I sold my plane, and now I just rent them. So you can't track me, and you know what? I'm going to just fly in circles above my mansion today to piss everybody off. I'm not saying that that's nice for the environment. I'm not saying he should do it. But on a pure, like, looking at life from a sitcom level, if you extrapolate this and turn it into a TV show, that is hilarious. Not in the way that, like, you should look up to the person, but it's almost impressive how petty he was open about being. This guy's got $140 billion. He doesn't have to come on the radio and say, screw you guys, you pissed me off, and now I rent planes and you'll never see me again. He doesn't have to do that. Like, he could just go to his giant mansion. But no, he's petty enough to just hop on here and be like, yeah, I just rent them now, and you guys are dumb, and I'm gonna keep flying in jets. It's just such, like, a, like... Uh, honest thing to say I don't know I maybe maybe it's different in Europe but I feel like here people are so like PR focused this is straight up something you would see in a comedy movie this doesn't sound like reality yeah I'm just gonna keep doing it I don't care all right we're gonna keep with the theme of trolling with planes because this one also cracked me up we all know there's a little bit of a situation going on in Russia right now in Ukraine and that is not a funny situation however the state of Russia's military has been hilarious they're falling apart they're like getting their butt kicked by a military one-fifth the size they're handing people rusted machinery and on top of it like countries keep joining NATO we have more troops there than we've had in a long time Basically, their entire plan backfired, and we've been running missions, like, over the top of uh, not their territory, but nearby, so we can get surveillance and, like, satellite images and stuff. And I guess some pilots decided that they would just do a little trolling. And it's not necessarily funny when you start thinking about the fact it could escalate in a nuclear war, 
But on a purely, you and your bro are flying a plane and you have this idea, it's kind of funny. U.S. Air Force flight spent two hours drawing a phallic pattern in the air near Russian military facilities. Like I said, okay, is it maybe the smartest idea to do in a military airspace? No, no. However, it is kind of funny to think about Russia just getting pissed off at the fact that we're flying over the top, like just doing shapes on the radar. Imagine being the guy in Russia in charge of tracking, like, all the U.S. military planes, you know. Sir, there's one doing circles. Hmm, wh what could it be doing? Pull it up. Let's see where it was for the last hour. You pull it up, and you're all looking at it, and you're like, oh, um, I, I, I don't know. It kind of looks a little bit like it, it, it's shaped like, uh, uh, we all know what it is. Don't say it out loud. They're trolling us. A U.S. military plane painted a PP in the sky near a Russian airbase. A KC-135 stratotanker refueling plane remained for almost two hours east of Cyprus on Tuesday in front of the Syrian base of Tardis, a stronghold of Moscow, and you can see it there on the, the little thing. So I guess it was more towards Syria, not Ukraine. I'm stupid. Still, still funny, either way. If anything, it makes it even more funny, because it's not like it was in the crazy war zone where there's the potential for really kicking off in a nuclear war. They were just trolling them down there, which is still a serious conflict. I'm not trying to say it's not serious, but I, I don't know. I feel like NATO has made it very clear how quick they're going to press the nuke button if anyone gets involved in Ukraine. They have not said the same for drawing phallic symbols on the satellite outside of Syria. I just don't really understand how stuff like this gets, like, uh, publicized so quickly. I understand a lot of it's probably public, but I'm sure the military has ways to hide this if they want. Does that mean that they wanted this to be out there? Like, do you think this was kind of a part of the mission? Get out there and troll them. They need to know that we're not messing around. U.S. military pilots encountered tense run-ins with Russian aircraft over the eastern Mediterranean before, such as when the Pentagon said in February three U.S. naval aircraft experienced unprofessional intercepts by Russian aircraft. It's unclear if the Stratotanker's flight pattern was intentionally made to resemble a phallus. The Stratotanker also flew near Cyprus and Lebanon on Tuesday. Hey, I'll give the article credit. At least it's trying to spin it. It's unclear if it was intentional. I mean, if you just look at the satellite image, there's no way that that was an accident. I'm sorry. I, I refuse to believe that that just happened completely on accident. And especially, you gotta consider... Like, that's two hours that they spend flying this pattern. You're telling me over the course of two hours, they wouldn't have looked down and noticed? If anything, maybe it didn't start off that way. Like, maybe that wasn't its intention, but they start doing, like, half of it, and they're just looking at it, and they're like, well, we have to finish drawing it now, because it's already half done. I don't know. Either way, I'm not, I'm not too upset about the trolling. I think it's pretty funny. Anyways, guys, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed. If you're happy it's back, please be sure to press the like button, comment down below. Like I said, it really does help the uh, video do better, and I will be consistently doing these weekly again. I appreciate all the support. You guys are absolute Gs, and if you haven't seen some of the other episodes, feel free to go click on those. And uh, yeah, on that note, don't get anyone pregnant. If you do, make sure they're hot, and hopefully I'll see each and every single one of you guys next time. I'm out. Peace.